0: welcome back to the living on purpose podcast with pastor john and sam you're listening to episode 22 yeah that's kind of cool that was always my son's favorite number in sports oh cool yeah cool well here's our next question is it possible to lose your salvation?
1: Man, I've been waiting for this question. I know,
0: I know. You've been like chomping at the bit, hoping somebody would ask. So thank you for asking the question. Yeah, a couple people. So what's people... the answer? Yeah, so the answer is no.
1: The answer is no, 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 no. You cannot lose your salvation. Uh, that's really, really important that you understand this. Uh, it's a theological mistake to believe that you can lose your salvation. So there's some bigger questions that I wanna pose. Mm-hmm. The question is, can you be unguarded? Can you be unsealed? Can you be taken out? Ooh, yeah, good questions, those, those right? Good. Yeah. Well, those questions relate to the scriptures that I want us to understand today, as it relates to losing your salvation. Mm-hmm. This idea that some people believe. First of all, there's the protection of salvation. First Peter chapter one, verses three through five. The Bible says, "Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope." Every time you see the concept of living hope in the Bible, it really speaks of an eternal life, mm-hmm. okay? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish. That word perish is the idea of it cannot decay. It goes on to say uh, inheritance that can never perish. Spoil, the idea of spoil is something... Uh, the opposite is undefiled, something that is defiled mm-hmm. is something that would spoil. Think of like eggs or milk or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In other words, it has a, has a duration to it. At some point, it's going to be destroyed or it's going to decay, right? Yeah. Or fade or fade, so it's not going to fade away. This inheritance, the Bible says, and this is my favorite line in what Peter had to say, is kept in heaven for you. Literally, in the Greek language, it gives a picture of something that's guarded. Hmm. I think of the idea of a security measure. You know, you have a security system on your house. I believe in the context of this, it really had to do with an idea of a guard standing at a cell, watching the cell, keeping watch over the cell. That's really the idea, okay? So it's kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power unto the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So there's the culmination of our salvation. We are saved, justified in a moment, right? Declared righteous. We're being saved in sanctification and then glorification. That's the culmination of our salvation. So that's what it's speaking of here, the coming of the salvation. So what's it saying? It's saying that God is, protects what he gives to us i think that's really really important for us to understand this it's kept in heaven for you and so what you've received from jesus christ when you called upon jesus to save you believing in faith trusting what he did his finished work on the cross when you repented of your sin you turn from that and you turn to christ you are given salvation you are declared righteous you are justified before the Lord. It's a forensic term, it gives the idea of, um, really in the context of we would think, it gives the idea of the judge throwing the gavel down and declaring you as if you've never sinned. Mm-hmm. It's powerful, isn't it? That's
0: awesome, Like that's exciting.
1: It's exciting, yeah. right? It's such a blessing. So I mean the question then has to be asked, can that be undone? And the answer is absolutely not. Yeah. So the protection of salvation. Mm. Here's another example. The seal of salvation. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 21 and 22, and then Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14. There's other passages as well, but these two in particular talk about it. First of all, 2 Corinthians 1. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his, are you ready for This seal of ownership on us hmm. and put his spirit, the Holy Spirit, in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. It's powerful. Okay. Now listen to this, Ephesians 1:13 and 14, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, here it is, you were marked in Jesus with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. If we look up John chapter 14 through 16, Jesus, remember he tells the disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, in my father's house are many rooms, many mansions, I go to prepare a place for you. Mm -hmm. Remember the disciples, they were worried, they were concerned, they were fretting over their future. And Jesus said, you have nothing to worry about. And Jesus said, listen, I'm even going to leave you. And they're like, what? Hmm. And he's like, but understand, I'm not really leaving you because I'm sending the comforter, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit to dwell within you. And so it's just an incredible picture of what God has done for us. It's the deposit, right? You know, when you, when you put a deposit down on something, there's um, the future culmination of that experience, right? And what you're putting money down. You're saving that
0: for the future.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's guaranteed though, right? Yeah. Uh, I almost put a deposit down on a car today for my daughter. I chose not to do that because the car's in bad shape actually, but the deposit would have guaranteed that I'm receiving that car. Mm-hmm. And so the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of salvation, future salvation in christ and with him in heaven so here's some interesting thoughts about the grammatical context of this it refers to the ancient practice and when i when i say that i'm talking about the seal it talks about the ancient practice of placing soft wax on a document and imprinting the wax with a stamp that indicated authorship or ownership authenticity and protection so the holy spirit attaches all these meanings to his act of spiritually sealing believers. He is the down payment on the believer's inheritance, bringing assurance, conviction, understanding, and comfort.
0: Man, I,
1: I, I wanna sing blessed assurance right now.
0: <laughs> it's like, incredible, isn't it? That's, it's so mind boggling.
1: It is mind boggling. And so I, I would say to someone who believes you can lose your salvation, I would say, well, how can you be unsealed? Hmm. You've been sealed, that's a permanent sealing. How can you be unsealed? And the answer is you cannot be unsealed. This is something that God does within us, and it um, for us, and it cannot change. And so then there's also what I like to call, and this is probably two of the more popular verses in dealing with this topic, but the grasp of salvation. John chapter 10, verses 28-29, the Bible says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. No one will seize them away from me is what he's saying. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. So this is the security of the sheep in the hands of the shepherd. It's so powerful. And so literally the security of Jesus' sheep rests with him again as the good shepherd who has the power to keep them safe. Neither robbers or thieves, verses one and eight, nor the wolf in verse 12 can harm the sheep when he is in the hands of the good shepherd. Verse 29 makes clear that the father ultimately stands behind the sheep's security. So no one is able to steal from God who is sovereign and in control of all things. This person is safely in the father's hands. Isn't that comforting? It is, it is. It really is comforting, isn't it? So the reality is, is uh, that you cannot lose your salvation. Once you're saved, you're always saved. We call that the perseverance of the saints, but we don't persevere because of our own power, our own might, our own strength. It's in Jesus Christ, in his power alone, that helps us to persevere, and we cannot lose our salvation. So, there's a few biblical answers to eternal security questions that I just wanna share with you. So, a lot of people will ask the question, well, how can a person truly be saved if he walks away from the faith? That's probably the most common question. Well, this person at one time, they went to church, uh, they served in the church, they came to Sunday school or a growth community. They are involved in all these different things, and they walk away, and now they're supposedly atheists or they want nothing to do with God. How can that person do that? Surely that person has lost their salvation. But I would say what First John, chapter two and verse 19 has to say, and I think this is foundational for us understanding how we would handle such a situation. He warns actually in verse 18, Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. Then he goes on to say in verse 19, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going out showed that none of them truly belonged to us. None of them belong to us is what it says.
0: Hmm.
1: And so I think sometimes we see people and we think, man, they really love Jesus. But do you think some people sometimes are just a part of the church because maybe it's a, a YMCA for them? A social club or yeah, something. Yeah, a social club or something that they can just really get something out of. And they like to hang out with their friends and be a part of you know, these kinds of things. But in reality, they're not really all that serious about God. I mean... They're not really being changed by the Holy Spirit. They're not really serving for uh, God's glory. Maybe they're serving for their own glory or maybe they're just serving because it's the thing to do, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's how I would answer that. So people will say to me, well, what about this person and this person and this person and look at what they've done and look at what they used to do. And my answer is always, well, you know what? I don't think they were really saved. Because if you're truly born again, this is not a phase that you go through. It's not just something that you experience. It becomes a way of life. And I've told the story before, and I've, I've shared it often about, I had a couple guys one time in my office and I'm sitting there with them and I asked them, I said, hey guys, are you saved? Do you know Jesus as your savior? And they got the weirdest look on their face. <laughs> and the reason why they got the weirdest look on their face is because a few months before that, I had led them to Christ as yeah. far as praying out to Jesus, right? And I remember when they looked at me without saying anything, I looked at them and I said, well, we'll see, we'll see if you're really saved, right? Because it's nice that you prayed those words, but in the end, it's not just a bunch of words that you pray, it's the transformation of the Holy Spirit within you. Remember what the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important to understand that if someone walks away, you have to ask the question, were you really ever saved to begin with? Now, there are people that backslide, there are people that get away from God, and they are saved, and God will God will go after them, right? The Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Mm-hmm. But I think we're too quick to just say, well, that person's away from God. I think more times than not, maybe it's just true that the person never truly knew God to begin with.
0: Mm. That's hard to hear, but it's... It is, it is. But don't write them off if they walk away, because there's always the opportunity for them to come back, right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So we, we never give up on people. Sure. Alright, so another question, is there a
1: reprehensible sin that can cause you to lose your salvation? People have asked before, well, what if, you know, I've heard people say before, well, what if someone commits suicide? Surely that's a sin unto death and they will go to hell if they commit suicide. And the answer is no, that's, that's not true. There is no sin unto death that will cause you to lose your salvation outside of unbelief in Jesus. Now, Jesus did talk to the Pharisees, uh, at one point, and he told them that they were committing the unpardonable sin when they attributed what he was doing in the power of the spirit. They were attributing that to the Satan and to his devils. But the reality is, is that you know Jesus doesn't walk physically on the earth anymore, so that's not a sin that you could even commit. But the fact is, you know, for us to consider, is it possible to commit suicide, or to commit murder, or to, and you can fill in the blank, right, with whatever it is. Uh, is it possible to lose their salvation if you commit those sins? I want you just to hear the words of a man. You may know him. His name is Paul, okay? I know that guy. You may have heard that guy, right? Arguably the greatest Christian to ever live, okay? But also at one point he was Saul, uh, just the scum of the earth when it comes to Christianity as he was persecuting Christians, murdering Christians in just a thorn in the side of the gospel. And so in First Timothy 1 and verse 15, it says this, Paul is speaking, he says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom? I am the greatest. I am the greatest. Or I am, he says it, I am the worst. But right, that, I'm the greatest sinner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But he says this in verse 16, But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me the worst of sinners, or the greatest of sinners, mm-hmm. Christ Jesus may display his unlimited patience Hmm. as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. And then he goes on to say in worship, now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That was Paul crying out in worship Hmm. considering the fact that he was, the quote unquote, the worst of sinners, but even he could be saved. And so I think it's really, really important that we understand that no matter what you go through, no matter what you've done in your life, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God, which leads me, ironically, into the last question. What if I feel as if I'm not saved? What if I feel based on my decisions? What if I feel based on just you know, my circumstances in life that I'm not saved? Let me remind you what Paul said in Romans 8. We said, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? And it goes on to say he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And I love what it says because he talks about the reality of Christ loving us no matter what we go through. He says in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sakes, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul was going through so much, right? But he said, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I love verse 38. He said, for I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any other power, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So sometimes you're going to feel a certain way, but just know this. God is greater than Than your feelings. And so I want to be very emphatic in telling you who are listening to this right now if you've called upon Jesus Christ to save you, you trust in Him alone to save you, you turn from your sin,
0: you cannot lose your salvation. Amen. The Word of God is so powerful. If we only kept it and read it and applied it, we'd be satisfied. Amen. Right? Oh, I love that. I'm so fired up after that question and the answer. Thank you, John. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have a question you'd like to ask, you can email john at weareemmanuel.life and we'll answer your question on a future episode. Thanks for listening.